What a great way to start Christmas. The season is upon us, right? Let's pray together. Father, we pray that um, the way that music just moves our hearts and soul and as we hear the words and we think about this, God, you are the one who created music. It's, it, uh, all this comes from you. And so we thank you for the instruments of voices and for directors. And yet we thank you for the, the one who is the creator of all this. And the creator, we would ask even now today, our Father, our God, Lord Jesus, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak again and create in our hearts a new deep love for you, a willingness within our very being to live in response to your love and your goodness and your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you woke up this morning, what was your very first thought? What was your very first thought? Did the words roll off your lips, this is God's day? And it's filled with yet unknown opportunities to love God and to, to know God and to serve God, right? You're, you're all kind of looking at me kind of blank-faced right here. Come on, help me on this. You know, you might be thinking when I ask a question like that, are you some kind of, you know, morning person filled with all kinds of um, boundless positivity? And I have to assure you, as, as you might know, there are two kinds of people. People who love to get up in the morning and then people who hate the people who love to get up in the morning. <laughs> I fall in somewhere in there. I have a daughter we call Sunshine, and she just like, hi, how you doing? And I'm going, okay, you know, there is a proverb for this. But anyway, have you ever thought how wonderful it is the way that God has created this world and this universe? How God um, has put things together so that every day the sun rises, whether you see it or not. Every dawn, the light dispels the darkness. Every morning when your alarm goes off, you face new opportunities. Before you stands a fresh new beginning, you get a clean start. Isn't that interesting how God created and wove within the very fabric of creation this idea of new beginnings and fresh starts and clean takeoffs. And do you believe then, when you process this and think about this, that there are divine opportunities in store for you every day as you get up? Or do you do what we can easily do? We can do it in a worship service. We can do it in our work. We can do it in our life. And that is you shift into autopilot, right? And you just kind of, you know, you just shift into autopilot, and, and as you go through the day, you don't realize. In fact, you might habitually find yourself saying unconsciously, not even consciously. You might find yourself thinking, really, what I do today, the choices that I make, they don't really matter. They don't necessarily really make a difference. And as you go through the day, you miss those opportunities. You miss those fresh starts, those new beginnings. Over the next few weeks, as we move towards Christmas, one of the things I want to think about in Christmas is this whole idea that just as you have packages and presents and you're given these, these wonderful kind of moments, so also in our lives, in our day, as we live, we have these packages and opportunities and moments if we shift out of autopilot and walk with God in a real, vibrant way. We have an opportunity for him to meet us 
with fresh starts and new moments. And You may be in a place like that today. You may be saying, I need that in my life. You might be thinking that in regard to your relationship with God. You may be in this situation where you've lived for a period of time now. Maybe it's been all your life or maybe it's just been for the last few months and you know that you are so in a situation where you go, I just wish I could start it over. Or you're in a situation in a, in a, in a relationship with someone that maybe you're married to or you're very much involved with and, and you're in this place and you're going, I just, man, I would like a new beginning, a fresh start. Or you have a friendship where you're in that place. Or you're in your work world and and you're in that situation. And what I love about this passage of Scripture we're going to look at over these next number of weeks, it's in the Gospel of John. It's chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. It's the prologue. John sets up this Gospel with a prologue, different than all the other Gospels. So we have the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John is really somewhat different. His perspective is different in the way he writes it. And so in these first 18 verses, we really get John's view of Christmas different than the way that Mark or Matthew or Luke would present it. And one of the truths that is presented from John is this idea that you can have a fresh start. That God is available in your life right now. He's present. You can begin again. So you read through John, he's the God of do-overs. The creator of sunrises, of new days, of new possibilities, of new beginnings. In fact, as you read through John, in, in a way different than any of the other Gospels, you find that God shows up through Jesus in such a way that he is described in this way where you see he brings new opportunities for you. He's called the Word, the illuminating light, the nourishing bread, the life-giving water, the good shepherd, the protecting gate, the only way, the ultimate truth and the eternal life who has the power to make every day new. Not just creatively in the heavens and the skies, but creatively in our own lives. And in an odd way, when the modern readers read John, we find it a little bit different because John takes and puts the purpose of his book at the end of his gospel. You might think that that's something you should do probably in the very beginning, tell me the purpose. But you, you go through the whole Gospel of John, and then he springs it to you at the very end in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And it's interesting, he says this, and, and we'll talk about this in the weeks to come, but he did seven signs, seven miracles that pointed to God, where the other Gospels have many. He says, I could write about those, but I only chose seven distinctively because I want you to know. In these seven situations, you see God coming in and creating new opportunities, new ways, fresh starts. And he says this, but these are written. John says, I chose these purposely that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Which I share again and again is not his last name. It means that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, so immersed in the Holy Spirit, like a sponge that if you touched it, it would just kind of, just the water, in fact, it's like a sponge that the water just keeps pouring out. He was the anointed one, is what it means. The Son of God. So that by believing, you may have life in his name. 
So in his closing purpose is an invitation. And he basically is saying, I just, as you've read through this, everyone is welcome here. Um, it is not a matter of being perfect because nobody is. The opportunity to start anew is made possible merely in this. There is a faith that you can have in Jesus. And as Jesus comes into your life, he gives you through his word this whole new start. And he gives you also the ability through your word to create new starts and new opportunities. If you choose not to go through life in autopilot. You begin to realize that every new day there are these opportunities, these opportunities to give the gifts in the same way that you've been given a word from God, you can give words to others. Well, in this closing, uh, in, in this first part of the gospel, in the prelude, I think John makes one thing really clear. And, and you have to understand, John is someone who really knew Jesus and knew Jesus very well, walked with him for those three years, got to know him well, and we're told also in John's gospel that he was actually in some ways probably considered to be Jesus' best friend. We're, we're told in, in, in different places that he was the, you know, he'll talk about being the one who, who Jesus loved. In fact, at one point, as they're in the uh, Last Supper, it says that, that Jesus leaned his, his, his head on the chest of the one he loved, and then that was John's way of saying he was putting his head over on my chest. And that seems kind of weird when you think about it, right? Because you're sitting at the Last Supper. You remember how that picture is where everybody's looking at the camera facing this way? So, you get this picture of some guy, you know, think of Thanksgiving if someone goes like this. That's weird, okay? That's not what's going on here. What you have is they're eating in an Asian fashion, and they're sitting around his table like this, and Jesus leans back and puts his head on his shoulder to speak to him. You get that? So, so as we read the Word of God, you find something really interesting, and John is a guy who really knows Jesus well. And so he says here in the very beginning, he says, I want to share something about this Jesus who this gospel means good news, which means he's got good news for you right where you're at. He's got good news for you to bring to other people where you work and where you live. And he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the main thought in many ways of this very first few sentences of John, these first five verses, even going through the first 18 verses, is that fresh starts are possible. And you're kind of going, well, how do you get that out of there? And if you really, you know, just take a moment, and we're going to do this, if you flip to the beginning of your Bible, to one of the first pages, the first chapter, the first few verses of a book called Genesis, you'll see exactly where we get this. Now, what's going to be difficult for me is in this whole process, I'm going to have difficulty because I'm going to want to go in all kinds of different directions because these first 18 verses in John are just packed with all kinds of understanding and theology and all kinds of things. We could run in all kinds of different races in in different directions towards things. And so I ask you to pray for a little self-control, the fruit of spirit, to stay on topic. Because these few verses, you may say, really, can you, for the next, how many, four, five weeks, we're going to be looking at John 1, 1 through 18? Are you, we could look at the first three verses, two verses, for that long. Countless books and articles and research papers have been written on those 18 verses, and even on those just few, first few sentences. In fact, John's gospel, one scholar has said, is, a, is like this vast body of water where a child, a little child can wade in it, and yet huge vessels can sink in its depth. 
That's what John is like. You can, you can get such, it's so simple and yet it can be so deep. In fact, George Kenworthy, who spoke last Sunday in grad school, wrote five different research papers on this prologue alone. And he started having some of his friends say, you know, there are other verses in the Bible. Didn't George do a great job last week? Isn't it great to have him coming on staff? I'm just so excited about what God is doing. So as I was saying, we get back to Genesis and, and what John's saying in these first words because really when, 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 a, when a person who lived in John's day would read those first few verses, they would automatically have an understanding. And I believe whether they were a Jew or not a Jew, they would understand this because creation stories were very prominent in that day. They had understanding of different creation stories. And one of the creation stories that was very well known in the Middle East was the Old Testament creation story, partially because the Jews had been scattered throughout the world and that story became known. So when people would read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. The Word was with God in the beginning. They would go, oh, John's telling us something that's really important here to know. He's telling us something about God, who was revealed here in Genesis. And if you read what it says in Genesis, it begins and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The idea here is brooding. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And there was light. Do you notice any parallels there? Do you, you notice what they might have seen when they were going through that? It, it kind of it would jump out at them. They would hear the words in the beginning. They would hear the word God. They would hear the word God is creating. He's making stuff. They would hear the word that the earth is chaotic and that darkness abounds. That the Spirit of God is hovering, actually brooding. The idea is that it would be like when the Spirit of God is over this darkless, dark, formless, chaotic bunch of stuff, impregnating it so that it would have life. And you hear God speaking. And as he speaks, light is given. And as the word is spoken... Stuff happens. And it's all about beginnings. That's why John begins his gospel account, not with some historical accounts of Zechariah and Elizabeth. He doesn't begin with the angel giving an announcement to Mary. This is not a historical setting that we're getting. You don't get the reaction and response of Joseph to the news about Mary being pregnant. You don't, you don't get their trip to their hometown and the fact that there wasn't any place to stay. You, you don't get the idea of this birth of this baby in a manger or some shepherds who are abiding in a field. You don't get the story of a star guiding some wise guys to a little town called Bethlehem. As I was reading and preparing for this, I came across this little, this little thought that I thought was kind of interesting. They asked the question, what if three wise women had been given the revelation of Christ's birth? Not you know, three wise guys, but three wise women. You maybe know this, and obviously, if as this person talks about it, they say things would really be different. Three wise women would have asked directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, brought practical gifts, and there would be peace on earth. Yeah, I don't really know. But anyway, what you're getting here is not a historical account in the eyes of men of what God has done. 
looking from the earth up, you're getting an account theologically of from the eyes of God what God has done. And you're getting this account of God who created stuff, who now is in a new act because of what has happened, just like the earth was foremost and darkness was over. We have seen as a result of that first creation, there was a chaotic formlessness, a lostness, a sense that things had gone awry because of our selfish and sinful choices. And he is making an incredible pronouncement here. He's looking from the perspective of God. He said, I spoke and I brought creative things into order and into life. And I spoke once again and I recreated and I brought salvation, the opportunity for fresh starts with God, with one another in all areas of life by a word. And that word is Jesus. I love the way that Jim Peterson, in his introductory notes to John's Gospel and the Message Bible, says, he says, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, God is presented as speaking creation into existence. God speaks in the word, and it happens. Heaven and earth, ocean and stream, trees and grass, birds and fish, animals and human, everything seen and unseen, called into being by God's spoken word. And he continues in deliberate parallel to the opening words of Genesis. John presents God as speaking salvation into existence. And this time God's word takes on human form and enters history in the person of Jesus. And Jesus speaks and it happens. And forgiveness and judgment and healing and illumination and mercy and grace and joy and love and freedom and resurrection, everything broken and fallen, sinful and diseased is called into salvation by God's spoken word. This new act of creation. John was with Jesus plenty to know a lot of the things that Jesus had said, some of the things Jesus would say again and again. And a lot of times Jesus would say to people, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. You know, we kind of at times go, you know, we say something, and go, oh, that wasn't me, I'm sorry, that was really out of character. And you go, wait a second, and Jesus is going, not at all. It just revealed your heart. Because God's heart is so good and so full of love and so full of mercy and so packed with divine energy to recreate, to make things new and to work through us, to, kind of, to make us the kind of people that, that through God working through us can recreate our own relationships. This kind of God never speaks out of character. Out of his heart, his mouth speaks. And when his mouth speaks, he says Jesus into our lives. And in Jesus, he comes and he meets us and he does incredible things that changes our life. If our heart continues to be humble and open and recognizing our need of him and recognizing our fallenness and our brokenness and that, 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 that we have in our own choices, our own selfishness have, has caused some ruin as we open our hearts once again and we walk with Jesus and the word Jesus is spoken into our life and we allow this word, however it may come, whether it's the word I forgive you or it's a word that we say to someone else where we say, I'm sorry, and it allows for some new beginnings to take place there. Or if it's the word to hear from God where he says, I believe in you. I really believe in you. I created you to do something. I created you not to go through autopilot. I created you because you have the ability. As you go through your day, there are opportunities where you will be able to speak the word I've spoken to you into situations that will create life. How incredible that is. 
For out of the overflow of his heart, in God, is all that is necessary for him to recreate us and to create those things around us. And it doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes, you know, he speaks and things happen like that. And sometimes as he speaks, he begins to recreate our own character so that our character becomes like Jesus over time as we press into him in faith and we wait and sometimes struggle and we move into it and God does the work he needs to do. This is the Christmas message in many ways from John's eyes. God comes to you in a word, and that word is Jesus, which is open to all kinds of his energy in your life if you choose to walk with him. No matter how dark or how messed up, no matter how much in despair, no matter how formless and empty and chaotic things may be, Jesus, the word spoken, received, has the power to heal, to revive, to provide, to create. With Jesus, fresh starts are possible. I remember when I um, was in a place in my life needing a fresh start really bad. And it was in a time in my life when I was just a little kid. I was in sixth grade. And in sixth grade, I was in the, it was the beginning of the fall, right as the school year had started. Things had started to get cold, I think, so it must have been late September. And I would hang out in the schoolyard. I, there was a few girls there. One girl I kind of liked. Her name was Laura. I won't give you the last name. It was at New Hope Elementary School. And I was there, and I was playing in the playground, and I saw some guys who were older. They were like in 10th grade, and they were standing by the window. So the, the school had these big windows, these big side lights next to the door, and they were heavy windows, and, and these guys were doing something really cool. And this is a sixth grade mind here, you know, thing. this is really cool. They're taking pennies and throwing them against the window and making little chips in the window. And I was watching, I thought, that's really cool. That's impressive. They left, and I said, hey, to the girls, come on over here. And I said, let me show you something. Well, I didn't have a penny. So, sixth grade mind, I'll use a little rock. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. I said, look at this. And I take the thing and I throw it against the window and they go, like this, because there's this little crack. It hits the window and makes this little crack this big. And my heart's going, oh no, I'm just, I'm feeling sick. And they run off. Obviously, I didn't marry one of them. They ran off. And I'm in this situation where I'm just feeling like, I hope no one else saw and I left. Well, what happened was I had this sense of guilt. And I would go to school every day, and I, would tr- I, I felt so guilty, like everybody knew. The window and the door that I had thrown it against, was my r- classroom was right there. I would go in this door and walk way down the hall. I'd have friends ask me, well, why are you taking along? Well, I just, you know, I just want to kind of walk around. And I would do that. And, and for three, four weeks, as it was getting colder... The window, we got, the crack got bigger, and it's like the spider kind of thing going out. And I felt like every day, I felt greater guilt. And I felt like, man, everybody must know. I'd come home, and I'd look at my mom, and my mom would look at me, and I'm going, oh, she must know. And I lived with this deep sense of guilt. And I'd tell oh, her, what do you do with this sense of guilt? And I was walking around with this sense of guilt. And I'd be in the classroom, and the teacher would look at me, and I'd go, oh, boy, she knows. And then one day she called my name, Kevin, did you come up here? So I came up to her desk, and I'm really afraid. My whole life is colored by this experience. 
And she said, the principal would like to see you. And I was like, oh no. I go in the principal's office. I, he, he says my name. I can't hardly say anything. And I just burst out in tears. And he goes, um, I think you know why I have you in here. And he went on to share. He said, you know, we're aware that we believe you threw the window, the, the rock at the window or cracked the window, whatever it was. And, and I'm thinking to myself, those girls told, you know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and I'm just feeling so, guilt, so guilty. And he goes, well, I'm, an, I'm not going to say anything to your dad. I'm going, Whew. Then he goes, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk to your father first. I go, yeah, right, great opportunity. <laughs> and this is on a Friday, and it so happened that our football season had finished, and I had done really well, and, and I knew that night we had a football award banquet, and I was going to be getting some awards, and I'm thinking to myself, when do I tell my dad? How do I tell my dad? I'm just feeling guilty. And I go through the whole awards banquet. I get called up, I get some awards, and I'm feeling like it's just not, you know, it doesn't even feel good because all you have is this weight. I, and, and we get done. My dad's really proud of me, and he says, you know, let's go to McDonald's. Well, going to McDonald's was a big deal. He said, let's get shakes. And so we get shakes. And I'm sitting here with the shake in my hand, and I start to cry. He goes, what's up? And I said, Dad, i got to tell you, I broke the window at the school. And I just, you know, laid this whole thing out. And what was so amazing, he could tell my brokenness and pain and everything else. He put his arm around me and just said, you know what, son, I forgive you. And it was like all that guilt just went away. I was sharing with some people after the service. I, I don't even remember, to be honest with you. I don't think I had to pay anything, and I'm just thinking he didn't either. I think the school picked the, you know, anyway, anyway. I don't know who paid for it, but I do know that someone paid for it. And I do know that at that moment of those words of forgiveness, my heart was released and I experienced this sense of freedom that I hadn't experienced for months. And that's what John is saying. He comes to a people who feel the guilt and weight of their sin and their brokenness, and he comes to them at Christmas, and he says to you, you don't need to live with this on your shoulders and on your back. He spoke the word Jesus, and in Jesus is this life that is lived, begins as a baby with all this potential, this fresh start for all of us. And he lives, and he dies, and he takes that sin, and he rises from the dead, showing us that God accepted the sacrifice. And guess what? You do not need to walk one more day in the guilt of your sin, according to what John says. That's the greatest Christmas gift you could ever receive. And he's saying to you right now, and here's some words. In words, when Jesus shows up from your heart, there are words that can create fresh starts, new beginnings. One of those words you may need to hear from God like I did from my father, which says, I forgive you. And one of the hardest things is going to be is you're going to hear that and we can hear even the word of God which says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise, that's the truth that he will do that. But the hardest thing sometimes is not just to hear that but is to forgive yourself. Because when pride really gets in there, pride is all about, well, yeah, no, yeah, okay, I hear that. But pride gets moved aside when you finally say, God, I will receive and accept this word and live in this word today, right now. 
Some of the greatest words you might say to someone else that you might give as a gift that comes from your heart when Jesus is in it is the words to someone else that says, I forgive you. Your whole relationship could be colored with a sense of bitterness and, and hurt, and it can be there, and it, can be, it, it, just, it, it, like, it just gets into everything. And God may be saying to you, you know what, I have forgiven you, now I want you to go out and give that word to someone else. Because he's brooding over your situation, wanting to impregnate it with a kind of a life that can begin to change things, and where you can just come before them and say, guess what? I know, I experience this hurt, but I forgive you. You may need to be saying the word that, um, it, that God says to you. I believe in you. God looks at you, and he didn't create something that was a mess or, or, or worthless. He sees great worth. He came to restore your relationship so that he could take this who you are and begin to create in you and to do things through you. You've been called to do something specifically for God. And God stands before you in Christmas through Jesus in a word says, I believe in you. I believe in you. You know, it, it, we're told in this word that, that when, when, when it came to to. to Earth, it says in verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I, I think in this word is another word that God just would love to hear because it brings, it brings all kinds of energy and fresh starts in, 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 in life. You get this picture of a, a world of his people, of a king coming to his, his servants and as a father to his family, and they go, I don't want you. And it's, you get this picture of ungrateful people. And, and, and God may be coming to you and just saying, I want you to start saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All this stuff as you read through this first few verses, and there's so much in it, the key to it all is that we have an opportunity to choose, to respond, to receive. We can willingly push it off. We can turn a deaf ear to it. Or we can open our heart and receive it. Every day, every morning as the sun rises, every time your alarm sounds, every day as you begin your thoughts to rise, to stand, you have a new opportunity to live the truth of these words, to live the word of Jesus in you. Because your choices make a difference. And living on autopilot, though tempting, is not life-giving. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I want to take just a few moments here before we close. And I just ask you just to listen to the Spirit of God. Allow Jesus to come to you. And he may just come to you right now through his Holy Spirit and speak some words into your heart. He may be just saying to you right now, I forgive you. He may, like my dad, as he put his arm around me, say, I forgive you. It's time to start afresh. He may be calling you to put your arm around someone and say, I forgive you. He may be calling you to say, these really three hard words sometimes to say to someone else, I am sorry.
He may be prompting you to write a note, to maybe call someone and just say, thank you. I do know this. But John's gospel tells us this, that God says to those, everyone, I love you. I love you. Can you let that into your heart? I love you. Today he comes to you. You are his own. He created you. And he says, I love you. I forgive you. I believe in you. Will you receive it? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that you would, who, is the, who, who as the creator God, created all this wonderful, wonderful world around us, would recreate us so that as we go out this day, we might allow your word, Jesus, to speak in and through us, through the choices we make as we live consciously aware of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.